0: everybody so good to see you praise the lord say this with me i am what the word says i am god's word is god speaking to me therefore i choose to hear what he says tonight in jesus name amen praise the lord Amen. Open your Bibles, if you will, please, tonight to the book of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we are talking about effective prayer, prayer that works, prayer that gets the job done. It's not uh, fun to pray and get no results. That's why a lot of people don't pray, because they don't get results. And of course, they many times feel like they should, know they should, but If you don't know how to do it, and you don't know what the Bible says about it, and you don't know how to make it work, then it it becomes more of a chore and an obligation than a joy and a privilege. So we want to learn how to do this right, and uh, we're not the only ones. We are in good company. The disciples also had that question in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, and then he goes on to say, when you pray, say, and he began immediately to answer their request. Immediately he began to teach them how to pray. Learning how to pray is more important than any degree you would ever get from a university. And university degrees are good and important. We don't uh, belittle that at all. But the ability to pray gives you an edge that the world can never give you. And it also gives you an edge that the world does not have. People without Jesus don't have this edge. And sadly, many Christians don't know how to pray effectively and powerfully. And so therefore, if you do, you are a minority of power in your family, in your community, on your job, in your business, wherever you might be. And really, whenever Jesus taught about prayer, he didn't complicate it. Uh, In Luke 11, he didn't complicate it. He gave them what we now call today the Lord's Prayer. But I want you now to turn over to the 15th chapter of the book of John. And let's look at a scripture again that we have looked at now for the last couple of weeks. And that is, uh, we will begin with verse number 7. These words are in red, of course, in your Bible. And if you have a red letter of edition... And these are the words of Jesus. He says, if ye abide in me. Notice the word if. That's the fine print in the contract. This is saying that it's possible that this won't happen for you. And the if is not on God's side. The if is on our side. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. So we know what abiding in him means. That means we're born again. We're part of the body of Christ. And so that is essential, but there's an and, meaning that though this is essential to abide in him, to be born again, to be saved, it's not enough. Just being saved, being in the family of God, does not in and of itself alone guarantee you answers to prayer. There's another side to the coin, and we read it, and Jesus went on to say, and my words abide in you. Notice my words. So he's talking about the scriptures. He's talking about the things that he would say. Now I hope you understand that the whole Bible is God's word to us. It all is the word of God to us. And so it's very important, particularly for those of us who are born again, in the New Testament church, it's very important for us to live primarily in the epistles as far as our learning and our growing and our development in the knowledge of God and who we are in Christ now I'm not saying we don't need to read the Old Testament I hope that you have and if you haven't yet finished the Old Testament I encourage you to do so it's very important you you really never fully understand all there is in the New Testament unless you have an understanding of the Old Testament and some knowledge of the timeline and the characters of the Old Testament. So I'm not saying that that's not important. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's what Paul said. And so it's important. But as a New Testament believer, our rights... And privileges are completely spelled out in the New Testament, particularly the epistles. If you read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John only, and never read beyond that, you would have a great uh, narrative. You You would have some wonderful teachings that Jesus gave us, but you would not understand what the crucifixion and the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus was even about. That came later. You know, Jesus said before he left the earth, he said, I have many things to say unto you, but you can't bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he shall guide you into all truth, and he not, shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hears, that shall he speak. In other words, there are things that Jesus knew, and things Jesus knew that we needed to know, but that we were not going to be able to receive it until we were personally indwelt by the Holy Ghost. And also until that revelation was then revealed through anointed ministers of the gospel, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers who are called to feed the flock of God and to minister the word to us. And so um, the Holy Spirit in coming brings to us the potential for revelation knowledge that Jesus wanted us to have but he was not able to give it to us even while he was here so this is very very important that we would know these words and those revelations that I'm referring to specifically are primarily in the epistles. And so if we look at your Bible, if you look at my Bible, after we've had it a while, I've got kind of a fairly new one here now. But, uh, you know, in a year or two or three later on, uh, hopefully you would see more wear over here. And it's not that I'm out of alignment. It's that I'm where I'm supposed to be in Scripture. And uh, I, I'm reading his word. And by the way, let me say this. And you know, maybe five years ago, ten years ago, it wouldn't even been necessary to say. But sadly, today it is. Um, uh, there's nothing in the epistles that contradicts the teachings of Jesus. Amen. It is heresy to say that Jesus' teaching is irrelevant for today. Amen. And so we need to understand that. And we need to be very clear about it. Uh, Paul did not contradict Jesus. Jesus didn't contradict Paul. They're on the same page. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so uh, Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you're born again, and my words abide in you. Now to abide there, you can look it up. It means to live in. Wherever you live, your house, that's your abode. That's where you abide. We all know that home is different than anywhere else on earth. You can stay in the finest hotel suite. You can stay in the finest condos. You can stay uh, with people you love and appreciate. And they can accommodate you in their house and treat you like royalty, as we say. But how many of you know there's still no place like home? No bed like your bed? You know, I mean, it's just no, there's no place like home. Well, that's the idea here. God's word is at home in you. Very comfortable in you. Now the only time the word of God is uncomfortable in us is when we're crosswise of it. And we get that little scratching down here because we know better. We know we're supposed to do something. Or we know we're supposed to stop doing something. Whatever the case may be. When we get in line with the word, everything is good. Everything flows smoothly. So he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye or you shall ask what." ye will we pointed out last time that you or ye some form of you is in this verse five times so we see that you have more to do with your prayers working than anything else and you have more to do with your prayers working than anybody else it'd be a whole lot like if uh, you were visiting at my house and I had fixed something, or Glenn had fixed something uh, good to eat, and said, it's in the refrigerator, you just get it anytime you want it, it's there. Just, just, you don't have to ask, you don't have to bother with any formality. Just go, here's where the plates are, These, where, this is where the silverware is, this is, this, this is the refrigerator, you just do it. Just get what you want. Well, that's, that would mean if you did without it, it's your fault. You enjoying whatever that is, I'm trying to think of something good to tell you, but anyway, uh, you enjoying whatever that is has more to do with you at this point than me because we've already fixed it. We've already bought the ingredients. We put them together. It's already in the refrigerator. Everything's provided. Well, that's really what this verse is about. God is saying, "I've, I've filled my word with promises, I've told you what belongs to you. I've told you who you are. I am giving you instructions on how to access it. And so now it's up to you if your prayers get answered. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And, and if that's not good enough, he goes on to say, herein or in this process of answered prayer, is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit and so here, this fruit referred to here is obviously the fruit of answered prayer. That's the way God looks at your prayers getting answered. It's, it's like fruit that's born. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So we find that prayer can be learned. That's where we started, Luke 11, 1. You can learn to pray. And when I say that, I mean you can learn to pray effectively, you can learn to pray powerfully. But also the fact that it can be learned means it must be taught. We don't get born again and we automatically know all there is to know about prayer. That's, that's one more reason why it's important to be connected into a local church body Where there are gifts, ministry gifts that are set in that church that are anointed of God, called of God to minister. And where there is a flow of the spirit of God, the flow of the spirit of revelation where we can learn these things. You know if you go to a church and they never teach you the intricacies of prayer. They never teach you the rules of prayer and the different kinds of prayer and how prayer works. Then you're not going to learn how to pray unless you find that information somewhere. And if you have to leave a church to find out how to pray you're in the wrong church. You need to leave and stay gone. Amen? Life's too short to beat around the bush. Uh, But prayer can be learned. And so therefore it must be taught. There are three ways we learn to pray. Number one, we learn through the Word. It's important to study prayer from the Word. That's, That's key. Number two, we learn to pray by praying with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher that's one of his titles that's one of the things he does the very nature of the word used to describe the holy spirit the greek word paraclete has a sevenfold meaning and one of the sevenfold uh meanings of the word paraclete is teacher so just like jesus was a teacher when he walked the earth and he taught his disciples and he taught us and even from scriptures like these in the gospels he's still teaching us well so is the holy spirit a teacher now in the here and the now, right now, inside of you is a teacher. How many of you would agree that the Holy Spirit knows about prayer? He knows how to pray. He knows what it takes to get the job done. And so we learn through the Word first. We learn through the Holy Spirit as He teaches us through doing prayer. Praying. Actually talking to God. Communicating. Fellowshipping with God, having those God appointments. And then, number three, the third way we learn to pray is through examples. People who are prayers. Prayers. People who pray. If you can connect with people, who know how to pray? People that have had prayer success, people that have believed for things and received things, whose prayers work. If they will allow you the privilege to come alongside them, and you can kind of, as we say today, pick their brain and and uh, get information. And even better still, if you can spend time praying when they pray, and uh, that kind of thing. You can. Those are three ways that you can expedite your prayer life. You can speed up the process of learning how to pray. Amen. And so uh, we find some very powerful scriptures about prayer in both Old Testament and New. I want tonight to look at some scripture we have not looked at yet in the last couple of weeks as we've studied the topic. And the first one I want to look at from the Old Testament tonight is the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 12. I'd like for you to turn there with me, please. Uh, 1 Samuel. Chapter 12, and um, I think it's verse number 23. Uh, Samuel is saying uh, to the people of God in verse 23, and he says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid, well, excuse me, God forbid. That I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. but I will teach you the good and the right way. Notice, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. That's the, the heart of a leader. That's the heart of a leader of the people of God. God forbid that I would cease to pray for you. God forbid that I would cease to pray for you. Now, let's, uh, let's go to the book of Galatians in the New Testament and look at what we might say is a companion scripture, a similar type of, of, a, of a verse, only it has a little bit of a different context and a little bit of a different uh, uh, shade of meaning to it. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 19 And, of course, uh, Paul wrote to the Galatian church, and he gave them instruction, and he also gave them correction. The major problem that the Galatians were facing was that they were being harassed by teachers who were trying to take them back under the law and was uh, polluting, if you will, the simplicity of the gospel of grace and trying to mix up a lot of Old Testament uh, works, uh, principles in with New Testament salvation, and that doesn't work. Uh, we're never saved by our own works. We're never saved by our own goodness. We don't ever earn salvation. We, don't ever, we never earn the favor of God. However, of course, we know we can position ourselves to receive, and that's important, And that, but that's a whole other thing. You know, if, uh, if it's raining, if the Lord sends rain on the earth, and thank God he does from time to time, well, I don't have to earn it, <clears throat> but I do have to go out in it if I'm going to get wet. And that's the way the blessings of God flow, even in the scriptural way. That's the way they flow in the covenant manner. We're not earning those things, but we do position ourselves to receive them. Well, the Galatians were having some problems in that area. And this uh, heresy, Paul was attempting to clear up and straighten out. And so he tells them how he's dealing with them in his prayer life. And remember, Samuel said, God forbid that I would not pray for you. Well, Paul prayed for these people. He was part of this, the birth of this church, and these were his church family. They were his children in the gospel. That's what he calls them. Verse 19, he says, my little children. And here's how he refers to his prayer for them. Of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now notice these uh, couple of things that are very important to see. The word again. So he had travailed once and that's how they got born again. That's part of the birth process. You know, the the Christian life is not you joining a church. The Christian life is you being born again. And there is no birth without a birth process. And part of the uh, earthly process of birth, of course, in the natural, is there is travail. Well... In the spiritual dimension, travail, giving birth, to to people into the kingdom of God involves a prayer that would do that kind of a job, and that's one kind of prayer. That's that's not the same as the prayer of, of praise and worship, for instance. It's it's different than the prayer of me consecrating myself to the Lord. It's, It's, you know, there are different kinds of prayers we pointed out last week with different rules that apply. But in this one, Paul said, I travailed for you. And now he said, I'm travailing again. And this time he said, I'm travailing in birth until Christ be formed in you. So in other words, I, I, I did a certain amount of praying that helped bring about your salvation and the Galatian church was born and now there's problems and you've gotten off track. So I need to come back in here and I'm doing praying now that you can get onto the place where you are mature in Christ. And so leaders, those who are called to lead in the body of Christ, part of our job is prayer. Prayer. It's not just preaching in the pulpit, it's not just writing books or being on some kind of media platform, but a great important part of the work of ministry is, is not ever seen publicly per se. It's not something that's necessarily done to be seen or in, you know, for a show, but it's done in the prayer closet. It's done alone. It's done in solitude. It's done between you and God. And so it's very important that we have this kind of praying. And Paul understood it. But it's interesting that though he would, he would give us such a graphic picture of his prayer life. And this kind of prayer is work. Profitable, but it's work. But then it's interesting if you'll just turn over a few pages. You'll go to the book of Ephesians, which comes next. Go all the way to chapter 6 to the end of the chapter. And um, you'll see uh, where he is saying, let me uh, find the verse that I'm looking for. In uh, chapter 6 and verse number, um, what am I looking for here? Yeah, 18 and 19, right, thank you. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Now, he's encouraging the Ephesians to to pray always with all kinds of prayer and supplications. We talked about this last time. In the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And verse 19, and for me. And for me. So Paul obviously prayed for those he ministered to, but he also wanted them to pray for him. What would you pray for? (laughs) Excuse me, what would you pray for concerning a minister? Well, number one, that, (coughs) excuse me, number one, thank you, thank you very much. Sometimes it just helps to hold the bottle. (coughs) (laughs) What would you pray for, preacher? You'd pray, first of all, for utterance. What does that mean? That means that the words they speak are given to them by God. That they're timely, they are the right words for the right time, in the right place for the right people. That God could speak to people at their place of need and where they are at any given moment. A minister of the gospel does not have the luxury to just choose what he wants to preach about. Not if he's going to be led of the Lord. Amen. And even when you have notes, and there's nothing wrong with that. I use notes. And, you, you know, even if you have some outline, and maybe you come to the pulpit, and you're studied, and you have meditated the word, and you prayed personally, and, and you're as ready as you can be for that particular moment to minister the gospel. The other part about this is utterance from the Holy Ghost can take you off your plan. Or it could get you stopped at a certain place to dwell on something, and you may never get through with your plan. You may never get through, at least that day, uh, with your notes and your outline. Almost every time we ever tackle a subject in this church for many, many years, we never ever finish the subject. Number one is because I don't know all there is to know about it. But most all the time, there's something left on the table. It just, it, the Holy Spirit leads us. It's time to move on. Because you see, He knows, for instance, who's going to show up this Sunday. I don't. You know, I wish I could just <clears throat> make everybody come every week, <laughs> but that's not the way it works. I don't know who's all going to be here, but the Holy Spirit does. And so therefore, he will, he will bring a message that will bring something for every person. There'll be something on the table for every person to enjoy, to grow, to learn, to be nourished by. If you're praying for utterance and the minister is praying and ready to give the utterance and willing to yield to the Holy Spirit, that's when you can leave having had a deposit made into your life. Amen. Amen. So it's so important that not only the minister prays for people, for the people, but that the people are praying for the minister. Amen? Now let's go to Luke 22. This is a a powerful verse and worth uh, some meditation and thinking about. Luke 22 and verse number 32. Now Jesus is speaking and he's talking to uh, Simon Peter. Look at verse 31, and then we'll get to 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. You know, when the Lord calls your name twice, you're probably in trouble. It's kind of like when your mother calls your full name, middle name, and all. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says, I have prayed for thee. And you know, that that would make you feel good, wouldn't it? If you're in the presence of Jesus physically, literally, and you hear his voice, he says, I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now we might be thinking sometimes we read a scripture like this oh, it would be wonderful to have been there and Jesus look at me and say you know call you by your name I prayed for you do you realize that at the right hand of the father right now Jesus is your advocate he is your lawyer he is pleading your case In, in in essence he is praying for you he's making intercession in heaven and the Holy Spirit God the Holy Ghost inside of you is desiring to bring forth intercession and prayers here in the earth through your voice. And when we get hooked up that way, we're in agreement with heaven. We're in agreement with Jesus. The Holy Ghost will never lead you to pray or give you an utterance to pray, whether it's in your known language or in other tongues. He'll never give you anything that's crosswise of what Jesus is already doing in the the heavens on our behalf as our lawyer. And so this is a powerful thing. Jesus is praying for us. Aren't you glad? Yeah. Hallelujah. So when we say that prayer is a transaction between earth and heaven, that when you think about it as we just described, that makes it even a little more uh, significant and a little more clear to us. The place of prayer is a place of power. It's a place of communication and fellowship with God, our Heavenly Father, the place of prayer for us is taking our place in doing business as children of God on the earth, but spiritually speaking, we pray from a place of authority. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms and that's where we pray from. I know a lot of these things I've said before, but I just want to keep on saying them until we get them. You're not praying from under the circumstances hoping somehow you get through the fog and the mess and God hears you and does something. You are right now seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You are in Him. He's in you. And if His words are abiding in you, all you got to do is look over and say, Father, and you're there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? That's why I keep encouraging. Hope you haven't forgotten about your your uh, your uh, laugh list, your your list of laugh at things to laugh at. Right. Amen. Just in the presence of God as you're praying, just begin to laugh. join God in joy. Ha, 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 ha. And just let, let him know what it is you're believing him for. And those kind of things I'm talking about are bigger than you can get done right now on your own. Those are things that you really don't know how it's all going to happen. But you're believing God for the miraculous. Just laugh your way into it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to some testimonies of people that say like, I've laughed something off my list. And I want to tell about it. And when that happens, I want to know. You tell us. We want to hear that testimony. Amen. Amen. Prayer is accessing our covenant and redemptive rights. And it's making out the check that God himself guarantees. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I want tonight to, um, to uh, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1 for just a few minutes. We're almost, we're almost done here. Nick, if you want to come on up here, that'd be good. I thought I saw some movement over there. (laughs) Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, this is when he began to tell them about the prayer, the prayer that he prayed for them, that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, and that they would see three things, that they would understand the hope of the calling of God on their life, they would understand their inheritance, what belongs to them, and number three, they would understand the power that makes all of that work, that power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And in doing so, that they would have a revelation that God put all things under the feet of Jesus and made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. In other words, that we would see where we are. In him, we are far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that's named. You cannot read these passages and pray these prayers over your life and have a defeated attitude. You, you cannot do this and be a negative Nellie. Excuse me if your name is Nellie. I'm not trying to offend you. But uh, you can't do that. You, you cannot look into these truths and not be changed. Amen. You know, James called the word a mirror. And he said that people that look into the word and then go their way and forget what manner of man they are, you know, that, that, you know he, he identified that as a problem. The word of God is a mirror. And the interesting thing about the mirror is this mirror shows you two things at once. It shows you who you are, where you are. You can see what you need to do to move on up. You can see what you need to do to make adjustments and to change. That's part of growing up. That's necessary. You know, you can have a great coach. You know, people in athletics, uh, the greats have coaches. And coaches may be very close and there may be a strong bond between a coach and an athlete. But that coach will not hold back the truth. If you're doing something wrong, they're going to tell you. Not because they're trying to put you down, not because they don't like you, but to the contrary, because they do want you to succeed. They're willing to tell you the truth. Well, that's the way the Word of God is. It shows you who you are. It's that mirror that shows you who you are. But it also is a mirror that shows you how God sees you. And that's not given to us to demoralize us or to disincentivize us or to cause us to feel helpless and hopeless that we'll never make it. No, it's given to us as a goal to show us this is how I see you. This is what you can be. This is really who you are. And now you just need to live like that. I'll help you. I'll help you get there. So when I read scriptures like, Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus, then it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, I know I'm going to win. And that's why I don't have to have a nervous breakdown every three days. Amen. I don't have to go to pieces every time something goes wrong, something breaks down, something isn't right, the schedule gets thrown out of whack or whatever happens. Somebody supposed to have done this, they didn't or whatever. You know, you can learn to have peace in the middle of all that because you know that if God has to bring 50 people from halfway around the world, he's going to do whatever has to be done to get this done for you. Don't ever turn the switch of faith off and don't ever get out of love don't ever walk away from the word and believing and God will always be working on your behalf you might not see it today you may not feel it right now it might not look like it but it's not about what you feel and it's not about what you see it's about what you believe God will move heaven and earth to confirm his word in your life if you will believe him hallelujah hallelujah so uh you know, we just got a little ways here. I, I can tell you what, where we where we're going. At some point, we're going to get to what I call prayer assignments, and um, we're going to look at uh, what it means to to be used of God and to take up an assignment, a true assignment from the Holy Spirit in prayer. Doesn't mean that it consumes all of your prayer time and prayer life that it, that's all there is about it but but there are times when God gives prayer assignments he's looking for people to give those assignments too do you know that? that person that came across your mind that just as we say out of the blue you need to check that could be a prayer assignment that situation that you heard about or read about uh, involving government or, or uh, the economy or whatever don't ever think that you're too insignificant too uninformed and too unimportant for God to use you supernaturally in these areas it's amazing how much God will bless us to get involved with if we will be willing to get involved I think about a testimony that Sister Holly shared with me some months ago, how the Lord had led her at some point back there to pray, and she, and gave gave her a name, and it was a name. Uh, it was obviously a, a Muslim uh, name, and come to find out, she was praying about some very um, powerful terrorists, as I understand it. God was trying to change that situation. Why would He bring these strange names and strange to us? It's strange. I tell the story about that morning some years back that I got up very early about daylight in the morning and came through the bedroom and Glenna was still laying in the bed and I said, do you remember Phyllis Diller? Now, you young people don't know who Phyllis Diller is. You, you didn't miss a lot as far as entertainment goes. But anyway, um, comedian from years ago. And... I just kind of passed it off. She said, yes, she remembered. That afternoon, I heard on the news she passed away that morning. What was God trying to do? He was, he was looking for somebody to pray for that poor dear lady. I don't know if she was saved or not, but I missed an opportunity. You might say, well, that's just coincidence. <clears throat> If you ever knew who Phyllis Diller was, you'd have to—you'd have to think, how in the world? That, thats no way. That's coincidence. What am I saying? I'm saying there are prayer assignments that God's looking for people to take up. Now, I, I, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about. It. I'm going to show you some things from Scripture. I think that'll bless you and help you. But